Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's August the 3rd, 2021, and the headlines this morning are all too familiar, depressingly familiar when it comes to America, the failure of its ruling class. Headlines are dominated by another disgraced elite politician, um, Andrew Cuomo, New York Times, the voice piece of the American elite. Uh, The news is that he sexually harassed multiple women Uh, in the Washington Post, the Jeff Bezos-owned Washington newspaper. Headlines are also about Cuomo's sexual harassment of staffers, disregard, disrespect for the norms of office. And in the Wall Street Journal, the Rupert Murdoch-owned New York financial paper, the headlines are the same. Um... Of course, it brings to mind, uh, we all know that Cuomo is currently, I can't imagine he'll remain the governor of New York State. Um, It all brings to mind another governor of the great state of uh, New York, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who later became uh, president of America. Uh, One would never have imagined that FDR would have got up to the the naughty business of Cuomo, but perhaps I'm wrong. Uh, FDR is, of course, the epitome of what now is known as the white uh, Anglo-Saxon Protestant establishment, uh, known in short as WASPs. We have a new book out, the definitive book, actually, about WASPs uh, by Michael uh, Knox Barron. It's called WASPs, the, the Splendors and Miseries of an American aristocracy. And Michael is talking to us from Waspland, somewhere on the East Coast. Uh, Mike, um, Cuomo is everything a wasp should be, except that he's not a Protestant. Is that fair? Well, I think the culture is very different today. Uh, The wasp would not have really actually had much problem with people that aren't faithful to their marriage vows, things like that. They just believed it had to be discreet. They would, however, not have tolerated uh, what came out in the uh, attorney general's report in New York today, uh, rudeness and uh, treating staff and other people in a demeaning way. That was an absolute uh, uh, thing WASP did not do. Very poor taste. Very poor taste, uh, Mike. Uh, the, the subtitle of the book, as I said, is The Splendors and Miseries of an American Aristocracy. Uh, was it an aristocracy? Uh, was it something Interesting was it question. That, 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 that ruled America for 100 or 150 years? Your book is a, is, is, is a wonderfully erudite and, and readable narrative of this class, this aristocracy. Well... Joe Alsop, he was a Cold War columnist, a consummate wasp in the sense of the book, the Northeastern establishment, um, knew everybody in the elite, uh, close to John F. Kennedy. And uh, he, when George Kennan, the diplomat, once said to him, you know, Joe, the problem with this country 
is that we're a democracy and we should be ruled by an aristocracy. And Joe Alsop said, when George said that, I was very nearly sick because Alsop uh, claimed to be the most equalitarian Democrat you'd ever find. And he'd always point out how his fussy old uh, aunt would say something like, well, you know, you must remember, darling, that Mr. Adams, that's John Adams' uh, Titles of Honor bill, was never uh, was rejected by the first Congress, and that's why we don't have an aristocracy in this country. Well, that's certainly true. Um, the, Joe himself and the rest of his class benefited from a sort of labyrinth of blood relations and privilege that... Uh, was in many ways as intricate as some of the old world uh, patriciates. Um, you, uh, uh, Mike, at the beginning, uh, before we, we went live, you, you noted my, uh, my own uh, genealogical origins, which are fairly self-evident from my voice from England. You suggested that the relationship between wasps and the old world, particularly the United Kingdom, was ambivalent. They didn't fetishize the English aristocracy. Uh, and you suggested that that was bound up in the, in, in the history of the American Civil War. Well, it's curious. They, they were in some ways obsessed with the British aristocracy and uh, modeled themselves to some extent, I think, on the great Whig figures of uh, 18th century, 19th century uh, England, mainly, Lord Melbourne or somebody like that, the great Whig landowners of the 18th century as well. Well, what's so uh, what's what's so attractive about a character like Melbourne to, oh, to the wasps? Well, the style, the ease with which he wielded power, had a sort of dashing personal life and glittering, elegant social life. Is that a euphemism for having sex with lots of different well, women? Well, yes, the, the wasp... Uh, uh, as Joe Alsop, again, uh, to quote him, he said, the old adage was, as long as it doesn't make noise in the streets or something, you do what you want. As long as you're discreet about it, as long as you, uh, uh, if you exercise that sort of discretion, it's fine. They were not, they would not, it would completely reject this sort of moralizing. They would see it as very rigidly puritanical, the way we have changed standards today in terms of uh, that kind of thing. So they certainly wouldn't have been Great fans. Wouldn't be, they wouldn't have been great fans of uh, Oliver Cromwell and and um, the attack on 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 the English monarchy. Um, uh, oh, but to get I, back, they did have bad blood with the English over the Civil War because the Wasps uh, were sort of at their lowest ebb after our American Civil War, and that's when they sort of found them, reinvented themselves. Then, and in that time, they were still very bitter about Britain's stand in our Civil War and the way uh, the cabinet tried to, it never came out and outright recognized the South, but it was very pleased to, with the possibility that the United States might be split up. And as one of the cabinet members at the time said, maybe it was Gladstone, something to the effect of this will, you know, dismember a formidable competitor in the future. It, every show we do these days, Mike, and you don't need me to tell you this, touches on the issue of race. I assume that the wasps are no more or less racist than um, any other dominant white person in, in, in 18th or 19th century American history. Did they have a particular antipathy to African-Americans? How did, 
how did the history well, no, no. of slavery and, and black Americans fit into their narrative? The wasps were very much a part of a product of the, uh, the Northeast and particularly New England uh, Yankeeism, which was one of the citadels of abolitionism. Not all of them were abolitionists, but they were very, uh, they were very anti-slavery as a rule. And they... Uh, but was that for moral reasons or for self-interested reasons or be simply because uh, they had a deep distaste for the Southern aristocracy? It, it, they were, it was a principled stance. So they would be, somebody like Henry Adams would be very uh, loud about the principle of equality, but then in their actual relations with people of color, it was a different matter. It, there was this condescension that was common at the time. Um, so they did... Uh, and, and it's all too easy, of course, to be deeply cynical and skeptical of this aristocracy. But are, are you suggesting there was a code of conduct in a, in, a, in a traditional aristocratic sense that this class had a moral backbone? It was very much, especially after the Civil War, when they thought with the Gilded Age, plutocrats coming into power, robber barons who seemed to them the height of vulgarity and meanness and crassness, there was a huge emphasis on the idea of the gentleman and prep schools were founded in New England um, that were to some extent, not wholly, but to some extent based on English models where the idea was that you would be sort of toughened up with football and Greek conjugations, but you would also learn the rules of being a gentleman, which doesn't mean that you have to be, it's not so much a moral standard as a, what, what would you say, behavior and uh, but to what extent did this new plutocracy, the plutocracy of the railroads and of mining and of printing, uh, how easy it, was it for them to buy into uh, the, the WASP aristocracy in the same way as the capitalist class, the landowning capitalist class in the United Kingdom bought in um, uh, to the old aristocracy? I think Edith Wharton said, Wharton said one generation you know, one generation, in other words, one check, really, r rather than one generation, one check. Um, we had uh, with one of my old friends on the show. Sent them to the right schools and right, and the right schools, of course, are what Exeter and Groton and Yale and Harvard and Princeton. Um, uh, we had uh, my old friend David Gessner, a wonderful nature writer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work. Uh, he he wrote a book uh, last year on. Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, in your beginning of your book, you have a, a kind of fun genealogy, if you like, of the typical WASP family. And, 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 and Teddy Roosevelt, both physically and metaphorically, uh, represents uh, the heart of that. Does he capture the best things about the WASP aristocracy? Well, in terms of some of the wasps were suspicious of him as not being gentlemanlike when he was on the political platform. But when he was off it, he's often praised for being a miracle of gentlemanlike tact and courtesy, which would, I suppose, easily contrast would contrast with uh, former President Trump. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, I don't want to drag. I mean, we of course we will drag Trump in because <laughs> it's hard not to. But it seems as if Trump is the is the least wasp-like figure in, in the history of the world. Would that be fair to say? Yes. I think he's, I think the wasp would be appalled by uh, some of his conduct. Earlier, might have admired some aspects. He would have thought that the, that the man at least wasn't as 
Roosevelt would say, pussyfooting around. He was, he, he's not, uh, Teddy did admire strength. He would probably say, say there was some strength, although it was a strength probably built on various, well, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't get into the details of Donald Trump. To go back to Teddy, he's an interesting specimen of because he grew up in the exact background that really invented the wasps and that he came, he had one of these families that had, was very well to do, but after the Civil War, when Teddy was a young man, they were completely overshadowed by uh, a new class or several new classes and no longer had the same authority that they once did. And this led to a real sort of mental and spiritual crisis among people like Teddy Roosevelt and particularly his, uh, his brother, Elliot, uh, who had so little to do other than collect his dividends and sit and lounge around in his clubs that he uh, drank himself to death at the age of 30, 32, a very young age. And um, this was a very common thing in the, particularly in the 1870s and 1880s, 1890s. And the wasps really saw that they had to figure out a new purpose. They were no longer automatically going to rule the country anymore. They had right. They, they had to believe in something. as, as Or they you were going to all drink themselves to yeah, the death wish of aristocracies over throughout history has been its its nihilism, its tendency to indulge itself, to drink itself and have sex to death. Uh, and I think one of the things that struck me about Teddy is that he did find a purpose, particularly his love of the land and his association with the land. Um, David Gessner also has a new book out um, on Thoreau, um, very different kind of figure. Uh, but with Thoreau and Emerson... And, and that transcendental mid-19th century class, were they wasps? Were they articulating an ideology of the ruling class? I see a very, I see a difference. They were, Emerson particularly was more connected, I think, with uh, the old Brahmin culture of New England and its old Puritan culture as well, even though he turned it into, he translated it into the terms of German philosophy and uh, secularized it, but uh, it was different. Emerson was not, uh, he was not a public man. The key to the Teddy Roosevelt wasps was public service and a civic conscience. Emerson was, uh, he was a philosopher. He believed in developing your own individual potential, but was sort of suspicious of getting involved in movements and politics. Throw off uh, obviously the same way. Uh, they didn't participate uh, so there was a calling. A, 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 so the heart of Waston was a, 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 a civic calling, which, of course, FDR, more than anyone else, seems to epitomize dedicating his life to public service. Yes. And uh, that was very much drilled in and preached at uh, the school Groton in Massachusetts, which Franklin Roosevelt attended, which Theodore Roosevelt sent all his sons to and Theodore Roosevelt himself was close friends with the founder of the school and was even asked to uh, be a teacher there when the school was founded in 1884. Uh, Teddy had other things in mind, but he was very devoted to the school and came up to urge the boys to uh, not sit around and take, as he phrased it, take butlers to the Adirondacks and drink champagne, but to get action, do something, uh, contribute to uh, your country. Do you think books like Gab, Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, um, were they themselves nostalgic for that old elite? Ha has this been the history of American literature and thought 
this nostalgia for a responsible ruling class? Well, Fitzgerald had a fairly complicated relationship with it. When he got to Princeton, he was he was an outsider, and he, with much relish, threw himself into scaling some of the WASP hierarchies at Princeton. But of course, I mean, the leading WASP figure in the Great Gatsby is Tom Buchanan, who is not a flattering portrait of a class. Um, hmm. Well, he, he, uh, he corrupted by corrupted by uh, capitalism. Of course, when we think of wasps these days, we think of the last wasp president, George W. Bush. We had um, one coal on the show recently, the Middle Eastern expert from the University of Michigan, suggesting that uh, the B- Bush's invasion of, 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 um, of Iraq was the worst po- foreign policy decision in the history of the country. Um, to what extent does um, somebody like George Bush and indeed his father, George Herbert Walker Bush, do they represent the the dying cry of the old class, the last gasp? Well, I think they sort of heard the last gasp a little earlier and to advance their own fortunes shrewdly to camp to Texas and Right, right, right. Well, a lot of their northeastern roots and um, reinvented themselves in 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 Texas. Um, but you still see in both of them uh, some of the manners. Um, I remember an incident when after President Clinton became uh, president, he held the press on Air Force One while he ate his dinner and they weren't allowed to leave or something. And they were heard to mutter, well, George Bush would never have treated us like that. Meaning that he was a gentleman and Clinton Me- was. Yes, meaning that he would always be thinking of the people around him who were there, uh, who were subordinates. There was a whole sort of noblesse oblige idea that people that are in some way subordinate to you, you treat them, um, you may say it's sort of, I suppose, condescending, but it's also good manners and that you're not rude. You try not to yell at them. You try to uh, not abuse your authority in those situations. Your book, though, is not really that nostalgic for, for this class. I didn't get that sense, Mike. You you write, for example, about some of the, the very odd characters in the history of Waspdom. One guy, Francis Fuzzy Duke Sedgwick, who was the father yeah. of the Hollywood actress Edie uh, Sedgwick. He's reading that section. Sounds to me like a, a kind of an, an an early version of, of Jeffrey Epstein. Yes, you, you you there really do see the wasps in decay. The purpose that they'd gained through hard work in the Theodore Roosevelt generation is already beginning to come undone, especially uh, after after the Second World War, when you have the meritocracy coming uh, into full force, where you have uh, the New Deal wealth taxes, uh, cutting down the margin of capital on which WASPs supply to subsidize both their high living standards and their public service, uh, you do see decay. And Fuzzy Sedgwick would certainly have uh, embodied that. You finger Vietnam as, again, symbolic. Uh, you quote, I think it's Aushin class or, or one of these other... Aushin class, yeah. Yeah, Aushin class, one of these other literary representatives of Wasp and saying, uh, 
that their idea was always that somebody from Yale should run the country, and then they did, and of course they fucked up a, a war, uh, the Vietnam War, which I actually would disagree with Juan Carl. I would argue that the Vietnam War was a much bigger catastrophe than Iraq, but certainly on the same scale. Right. Um, how central was the 60s and Vietnam in particular I to think that's- the crisis of, of Wasdom and its decline? I think that was the real public face of its decline because Kennedy, when he came in, Kennedy, of course, was in descent in heritage and religion, Irish Roman Catholic. And uh, yet his father um, wanted him to master what, you know, the WASP hierarchies and sent him to uh, Protestant boarding school, Choden, uh, John F. Kennedy's case, Milton and his brother's case, and uh, as a result, Kennedy was very comfortable and quite fond of and developed close friendships with uh, many of the wasps of the day, Dean Acheson and, well, closer to McGeorge Bundy, um, C. Douglas Dillon. Um, his wife, Jacqueline, was connected through her stepfather, Hugh Auchincloss, to much of the old wasp elite. And he was in many ways one of the most wasp-oriented of our presidents with uh, a cabinet and an inner circle and a social circle that was composed of people like Joe Alsop and uh, and Averill Harriman and all these old uh, Groton Wasp figures. But they were politically um, on the left. Uh, we've had a number of shows very nostalgic for, for, for Robert F. Kennedy, for Bobby Kennedy and for his ideology of service and responsibility and need to reform capitalism. To what extent was Bobby Kennedy uh, the model of a, a progressive wasp? He was very much influenced by that wasp culture of public service, almost perhaps to the point of parody. Um, but uh, the difficulty is that when you brought the wasps in to be, as um, they'd later be called by Halberstam, the best and the brightest, and they're all sitting around Kennedy's round table, uh, and Vietnam goes south, they're, they're sort of the public face of it. McGeorge Bundy, as his friend Kingman Brewster of Yale said, McGeorge, Mac's going to spend the rest of his life trying to explain his mistakes on Vietnam. But was the mistake in Vietnam, was it the mistake of a technocracy or the, the mistake of an aristocracy or the mistake of an aristocracy that became a technocracy? It seems to be sort of the mistake of an intimidated patrician class that no longer had the confidence to really ask the right questions of the technicians. So that when uh, Robert McNamara is also- Right, so McNamara sort of, uh, he of course comes to mind. Also I've said he has this sort of insane idea that you can win a war with a computer. Now, whether that's right or not, that's how Alsop saw it. And the computer printouts as they were presented to the wise men as they came to be called, the old, the old wasps, uh, were intimidating. They didn't ask the probing questions, and they weren't as uh, they, they they failed to exercise that sort of patrician prerogative to say to the expert, "Well, you know, human nature and history teach us to be wary of this kind of overconfidence in our in our technology." Yeah, the uh, the computer is no friend of the old aristocracy, uh, Mike. Um... We've had a number of shows, uh, excuse me, we've had a number of shows uh, on the crisis of the American ruling class. You mentioned the meritocracy and the way in which the the new American post-war, post-Second World War meritocracy undermined the WASP class. 
Daniel Markovitz now from surprise, surprise, Yale uh, has become one of the great critics of American mm-hmm. meritocracy. And yet um, we have a number of people now, including the economist writer Adrian Waldridge, defending meritocracy and the idea of a ruling class. What can the the history of wasps and the culture of wasps teach us about um, rebuilding the idea of an American elite and making that elite both responsible and happy? Well, it's interesting, though. The wasps played a huge role in creating the meritocracy, um, perhaps because they saw it was inevitable. I mean, it was a Groton graduate who took the lead in creating the uh, SAT test, which was the great leveler in college admissions. And once who was that? Um, I'm drawing a blank right now. What the heck? it'll come to me in a second. Um, graduated from Groton in the 20s. Dean at Harvard helped to develop the uh, the SAT test. Um, and did they, these people realize that this was the kiss of death for their class? That once you quote unquote democratize education, once you turn it into a meritocracy, that their political I, and cultural and indeed even economic dominance would be undermined? Yes, I think they probably did. But of course, the people that invented it still benefited from it. They knew it would be their grandchildren that would have the difficulty and uh, but, you know, with the two, the two world wars changed the complexion of the country a great deal. And people who fought in a war and come back are less, less deferential to the standards they found before and, um, less deferential to elites and. But you've got to have elites. I mean, we know that for better or worse, Mike, right. um, whether, I, I, whether it's the elites of, Wall Street, the elites of Silicon Valley, the elites of Exeter, Princeton, and Harvard, and Yale. Um, And these elites elites need an ideology that that at least the wasps in America had an ideology, a sense of itself and its purpose in history. Yes, they they were not just narrowly founded on money, finance, and technical expertise. They had this broader civic humanist vision that you should... Uh, cultivate broad interests in your own nation and try and stimulate those in the country at large. They, you know, they sort of had this idea that, you know, you try and act like a Latter-day Athenian or a Renaissance figure. They were civic generalists who you find them, you know, they they were interested in poetry and in books and in public service. Not all of them. G.W., George W. Bush. There you're getting it. He's got to abandon the all of that because it wouldn't work when with the in the modern yeah uh, we talked about the english sorry we talked about the english uh, royal family and the ambivalence that the wasps had to the english aristocracy all too recently the british royal family has gone all instagram prince harry now is going to publish uh, apparently a, a literary memoir kind of confessional about race and suffering and exploitation has the American wasp class fallen to the same populist cultural forces as Prince Harry? Well, the class today is much more submerged. It's hard to talk about a coherent wasp class. It's been sort of assimilated some of it into the 
just over all elites. So there's no, I don't think there's a distinctive WASP voice out there today that you would say personifies the class. You mentioned George W. Bush, but he had to turn his back on a lot of the style of the WASPs to, to be elected. Uh, the old patrician demeanor of FDR would, I, I just don't see it working. It was, John Kerry sort of had a little of it, but John Kerry lost the election too, so. And, and Kerry is, again, an example. He almost could be a parody of an aristocrat in the way he speaks so slowly and never says anything. We do have a new economic aristocracy. The children of Zuckerberg and Bezos um, are going to dominate America for many generations. Do they need an ethic of aristocracy? Should Bezos or Zuckerberg be bringing up his kids like, uh, like, like the Bushes were brought up? Well, I will say this for the WASP institutions that were founded or strengthened in the Gilded Age, that as we were talking about it before, they would assimilate the new plutocrats, the leaders of the railroad uh, expansion. Averill Harriman's father was a pretty sharp railroad tycoon, but Averill went to Groton and he was uh, taught the manners of public service and uh, made a, a quite a contribution and wasn't hampered by his great wealth and did productive things for the country. It's a question how, what, what, uh, what will be the purpose of people that will grow up in extreme privilege with a lot of money, um, but they may find themselves in the position of having nothing to do, and uh, that can obviously... Yeah, and, and what we see, we, we had a show with a, 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 a young University of Chicago historian um, who suggested that the the elite institutions now teach the kids, not only the privileged kids, not only a, um, a, a sense of moral virtue, but a sense of victimhood, however rich they are. An aristocracy needs to take on responsibility. It needs to recognize its own good fortune, doesn't it, Mike? Yes, uh, it, needs, it needs an ethic of responsibility. Uh, the idea that sometimes you have to make sacrifices I, I, I don't say that the WASPs always lived up to their code, but they had the code, so they knew what it was, even if they failed to live up to it. So if you want to know that code, you need to read uh, Michael Knox Barron's WASPs, The Splendors and Miseries of an American Aristocracy. It's, it's really richly written to, to, to reflect the rich history of, of, of WASPdom. Mike, congratulations on the book. I think it will become the authoritative statement on this culture. Uh, you are, as I said, on the East Coast in Connecticut somewhere in WASP country. What else should people be reading in these strange times, Mike, where we're not quite sure whether we're allowed to wear masks and go out? Well, you know, I would go back to that probably the greatest book ever produced by a WASP, Henry Adams's The Education of Henry Adams. It, uh, it gives you a, an account with really splendid irony, but gives you the whole history of his home life, which was very closely connected with the history of the country. He was had a front seat at uh, the councils of the Lincoln administration, the Civil War. He sort of despaired during the Gilded Age, helped to create some of the ideals and purposes that would renovate his class. And uh, beneath all the irony and self-mockery, there is an important lesson about uh, uh, degeneration and the way you 
at least try to combat it. It is an important lesson. Uh, everybody, of course, from Tocqueville onwards associates America with a democracy, but the reality of America is the one that um, Michael Knox Barron writes about in his new book, Wasps, the Splendors and Miseries of an American Aristocracy. Like it or not, we in America had and have an aristocracy, a ruling elite, uh, and the wasps were the last coherent ones. Must read, Mike. Keep well, keep writing, and uh, we will look forward to talking again in the not-too-distant future about the challenges and responsibilities of a new American aristocracy. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Andy.